The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Professor Charles Telfer. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. As we remain standing, let's turn in God's Word, if you have a copy, to Psalm 116. Psalm 116, listen to the word of the Lord in the voice of the psalmist. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. And then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my ears from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. Join your hearts with mine in prayer, shall we? Our Lord, we do now turn in the middle of the day to you. We draw our attention to you. We think of you. We pray like the little birds with their mouths open that you would feed us. We thank you, Lord, that you having given us your son, how will you not also with him graciously, abundantly give us all things? Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Forgive us for not trusting. Forgive us for wandering. Forgive us, Lord, for Uh, for the fear of other human beings. Lord, teach us faith and rest, we pray, as we look to Christ. May your blessing be on our meditation together, we pray, and on our lives in in every respect, every corner of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters, well loved by our Lord Jesus Christ, this Psalter, that we're going to be considering together in our Thursday chapels throughout the semester is a gift from our kind Heavenly Father. It speaks to us exactly where we live with all our troubles and anxieties, and it's precisely the remedy that we need as we seek to live in confidence and as we push forward in life with strength. This is a beautiful psalm. We could go into the poetry. Uh, those in my Hebrew class had a chance to uh, reflect. We read the Hebrew just, uh, just now, and which was a great exercise. We're going to focus on the English, of course, here. 
Uh, the poetry here is multi-leveled. It doesn't break, as you could tell, it doesn't break into nice stanzas with different themes, A, B, C, D. It doesn't do that. I would say this poetry is a little more like a love poem, perhaps like a young man's love poem to a young woman. Do young men write poetry to young women anymore? A lot of feeling, but it's a bit jumbled. He comes back, he repeats himself, he comes back to the themes, he interweaves his his. Uh, his thoughts, but there's a lot of passion here. There's a lot of affection for God. There's a lot of gratitude. There's a lot of encouragement. Do you want those emotions, those experiences? I do. Then it's worth meditating on this, uh, on this psalm uh, together. Let's think about uh, the psalm in three movements. It does have uh, three discernible uh, movements, main foci. Look at verse 3. He says, I suffer distress and anguish. I want us to consider first the psalmist and our reality. Secondly, I'd like for us to consider the psalmist and our rescue. If you look at verse 6, I was brought low. He saved me. And finally, I'd like for us to consider the psalmist and our response. Look at verse 2 again. I will call on him as long as I live. So our reality, our rescue, and our response. His reality, and so often our reality, is uh, harsh and bitter. He says in verse 3 that he suffered distress and anguish. That word distress, as we saw uh, in our Hebrew class, is tzara. It's depressing. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, the, uh, the, the stress. It's what happens when things are going against you, right? It's, it's uh, the, 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 the terrible things that happen to us in this life. If you look at verse 6, there's something that's pressed in on him and depressed him. Perhaps it's poverty, right? He's brought low. That, that word is often used for those that are uh, economically poor. And I know we have, we have students who, uh, who are just at the end of their resources. We have students who didn't have enough money to come to, didn't have enough gas to get to campus this week. That's how, uh, that's, that's, that's one person's economic situation in our uh, community. The psalmist is experiencing opposition from other people. Look at verse 10, 11. He's afflicted. He's been wounded by other people. Perhaps you've been abandoned by someone. You've been uh, someone you really trusted has turned against you. Uh, someone you thought was a friend turned out to be an enemy. He says, all men are liars. Wow. This is an aching, disappointed heart, right? He is weeping, if you look at verse uh, 8. He's feeling that uh, he is, he's, he's been brought to the end. He's in these bonds, as we see in verse 16. He feels in, enslaved in some particular way. I know a number of you have had uh, life-threatening accidents, life-threatening illnesses. This is what he's facing. Look at verse 3. These pangs of Sheol. These, these, these afflictions of death are laid hold of him. Sheol, of course, is the place of, of death. Some of you may be still struggling with life-threatening cancers and other illnesses, right? This is, this is very serious, very serious uh, business. Verse 3, someone translated as, The torments of hell laid hold of me. For uh, us in the pilgrimage of this life, we can experience... Uh, our, our Christian uh, life as, uh, as not only a marathon, but a 
a hellish experience. We, we enter, as it were, the, the suburbs of hell in this life. That's how, that's how dark, that's how painful our life in this world can become. And I'm sure all of us have tasted it to one extent uh, or another. This psalm was very meaningful to me, and it, my attention was drawn to it last year. When my father was dying, I, went, I was called back to Illinois. And it is, it is not a pretty thing to see someone that you love at the end of Alzheimer's and struggling for every single breath. I got there in the afternoon, and he died that night. He, he couldn't take a breath. And it was a, it was a horrible thing. What, what a comfort uh, it is to me that he says in verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If our death is precious to him, that means that the whole of our life is precious to him. Praise the Lord, my father was a believer, and the Lord saw him through that terrible time, saw us all through that terrible time. But he cares for you personally and comprehensively. This is meant for your encouragement. That's, the, the nat- that's what uh, this psalm is all about, right? He's pleading, he's making his prayer to God. That's his reality. That's so often our reality. Look at uh, verse 1, 2 again, which brings us to our second point, and that is his uh, rescue, his rescue. He says the same thing in the first two verses uh, in different words, but basically he's saying, I was brought low, and, and, and then again in verse uh, 6, I was brought low and the Lord rescued me. I plead, I pled to him, he heard my voice. I, uh, I, I called on him and he inclined his ear uh, to me. This may well be a, uh, a physical healing. We're not exactly sure. Isn't it beautiful? The kind of, the very emotional, the very impacting way that the psalm speaks to you, but it still speaks in a generic way, doesn't it? That means you can read in your trouble whether it's financial trouble or it's just the simple stress of being overwhelmed at the beginning of an academic semester. You feel like you're already behind, right? You can read your trouble in. Maybe it was a physical healing. There was a man at my parents' church who was diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic as having inoperable cancer in about five different sections of his organs. They sent him home. Church had a prayer meeting, prayed for him, went back to the Mayo Clinic for a checkup the next month. It was completely gone. They were blown away. That's, that was a, an extraordinary providence of God in healing that man. Now, this is not a guarantee that the Lord will do that for you. The Lord will save you. If he doesn't save you from your trouble, he'll save you through your trouble. But what a great, what a great thing. The Lord cares for us in our accidents, in our sicknesses, in our troubles. He rescues uh, us. Your life may feel like bonds, as we saw in verse 16, but he has experienced this uh, some kind of relief, some kind of uh, rescue. He says in verse 4, Deliver my soul. He's not, he's, not, he's not praying to die and to go and be in a spirit with the Lord. He's praying for his whole life to be put back together, to be fixed. That's what he's, that's what he's uh, after here. You may not understand why God is bringing you through times of trouble right now. You may never understand why the Lord has brought you through this, brought you into this, that, or the other trouble. But you have every reason to trust that he has good intentions for you. You have every reason to trust his heart, even if you can't understand intellectually, with your mind, precisely what's, what, what's going on in his, 
his strange and difficult dealings, his difficult providences with you. If you've been a Christian for more than a week, you have your own experience to tell you that you can trust his heart. He's seen you through many dangers, toils, and snares, has he not? You have the testimony of all the Old Testament prophets, all the psalmists, all the New Testament apostles, that he is faithful. Will he not rescue you? And you have, most importantly, you have the life lived and death died of your faithful Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. In my mind, it's pretty certain that our Lord Jesus sang this psalm the night that he was betrayed. It was customary at that time to sing the halal. This is part of the great halal, and Psalm 16 would have been part. We don't know that he sang a psalm. And singing this psalm was traditionally part of what was sung on the Passover the night before he was betrayed. And he included saying what? He sang about this cup, verse 13. This cup. What is this cup? The cup of salvation. You read that, what do you think of? Think of the Lord's Supper, right? It's a celebration of what? Your acceptance with God, God's favor towards you. But what was that cup for him? What is, what is the cup when you read about the cup in the Old Testament, in the prophets? Most likely the cup is what? Most, most often the cup is what? It's wrath, right? So that cup of wrath for him, that cup of rejection for him becomes the cup of reception, comfort, mercy for you. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord Jesus took himself willingly, voluntarily. He experienced the full measure of the rejection, the full measure of the Sheol, the full measure of the pangs of death out of concern for your welfare. That can give you confidence that no matter what stress, no matter what setback, no matter what anxiety you may be facing right now, that he will see you through it if he doesn't rescue you straight out of it. And what is the response? You see it right from the beginning. I love. It just stops there in the original. I love. But of course, we have to put that in. I love Yahweh. It's a response. What do we call a person who, who, who's not responsible, who doesn't respond, is not responsible, there it is, who, who's not responsive to favors? Maybe there was a coach when you were in school who just was so influential in your life or maybe it was a lawyer or a real estate agent or someone who helped you at a key time in your life. What's the natural response? What's our response to our parents, perhaps more than anyone else, if you had decent parents? It's gratitude. What do we call a person who doesn't respond in gratitude? An old English word, right? An ingrate. That's, can we not summarize the whole Christian life right here? It's, it's a response. It's a matter of gratitude rather than being uh, ingrates. That's what he's saying here. In verse 2, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Do, do you have to pray in the morning? Do you have to pray before you go to bed? Do you have to pray before your meals? You don't have to pray. You get to pray. Because he's done this for you, therefore you respond in prayer. Do you have to worship? Do you have to give? You don't have to give. But you do those things in response to all his gracious dealings with you. Is that not the, the great difference between the Christian faith, the biblical faith, and virtually all the spiritualities and religions of the world? The trajectory around here we like to talk about, the gospel trajectory. It's downward. It's from him to us <laughs> rather than 
us kind of doing, doing, doing and kind of getting his favor. You don't have to do to get his favor. It says here that he is bound, he's dealt bountifully with you. He preserves the simple. That's us, verse 6. He is what? Look at verse 5. You read, he is righteous. Oh no, he's righteous. Don't think that. That's not what he means by that. Righteous here means acts of kindness toward the needy. That's what he means by righteous. That's why what Jesus talks about doing your acts of righteousness, right? What's that? Having pity on a poor person. That's us. That's the whole point. He preserves the lowly. He's merciful. He's gracious. Our time's nearly out, but let me, let me conclude with just a couple of quick uh, a cultural reflection and a final point. A cultural reflection. Look at verse 16. This is, makes us uncomfortable. I mean, I, we can read this and it's just kind of, oh, ho-hum, we use these languages, maid, servant, servant. But what's this, what's, what is he talking about here? He's talking about human slavery, of course. Right? What is his appeal here? What's the logic here? What he's saying, he's saying, he says, Yahweh, I am your slave. I am your slave. I am your property to such an extent that my mother was your slave. In other words, I was born your slave. Right? That's... That's slavery. But what's his point? His point is this. You have a responsibility to me. I'm your property. You need to take, you need to respond to me. And that's exactly what the Lord has done. The Lord has indeed uh, been very gracious to him. So we respond in gratitude. But let me respond, let me uh, encourage you as a final uh, exhortation to look at verse 7. I'd like you to take that as your meditation. Look at that later today. Make that a meditation uh, this weekend, this week, as especially when you're stressed at the beginning of, uh, at the, beginning of the, the, the semester. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has bo- dealt bountifully with you. You've heard that the, Christian, the secret to the Christian life is taking our soul in hand and preaching to our souls, right, rather than having our souls preach to us. Take your soul, speak to your soul. Soul, be at rest. That the assumption is that the state of rest is the natural and proper state for the human soul. Not the state of stress. There's something unnatural to that. Right? Take your soul. Return to your rest. Rest, soul. That's not a call to be lazy. Right? But rest. Rest in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with you. Because he does deal bountifully with you. And because he will continue to deal bountifully with you. Isn't that beautiful? Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.